All right. Man, it is good to be back home. It is good to be back home. Great to see you guys. As I mentioned earlier, already had members of our family here um, earlier today. Uh, still looking for others that are going to be coming onto our campus. And, uh, you know, if, if you are... Uh, you know, a part of our family, and you are listening online and watching today, we want you to know that you were just as much a part of this comeback as anybody else that's, that's here, and you're just as much a part of our church family, and we look forward to when, to when this virus stuff is out of the way, when there's a vaccine, when, when everything is settled down, to where we all feel more comfortable being able to come back in, 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 in settings like we have had in the past. But even though we can't do that right now, and even though we're not able to be together, and I appreciate Jeremy so much for setting, setting things up so well this morning, the fact is that we are still together because our souls long for God. And so we have that connection with one another. You know, and I'm just going to be honest, I've struggled this week to find, to really find the right words to share with everybody. I mean, we're coming back after almost six months away, and, and there's a lot of anticipation, and, and there's a lot of pressure that, you know, that, that you feel. I mean, hey, we're getting the band back together. Things have got to pop. I mean, it's got to be good, right? And, and so I thought about, well, let's do a survivor theme. Let's do a survivor theme. That would be great, and, and we can look around and see who's been voted off the island, right? Uh, and, and then be happy that we're all still here. And I thought, oh, maybe that wouldn't work. Um, I thought about a CSI theme, okay? Because we might need to look around and, and discover who some people are that are here. Because, let's be honest, you look a little different than you did the last time we were together. Uh, COVID-19, for some of you, means pounds. That's kind of how you relate to it. But we all look a little bit different now. And I also thought, well, how about Stranger Things? We could do a Stranger Things theme because in, it's 2020 and over the last five months, things have just been strange, right? I mean, it's just been weird, the stuff that, that has been happening and all the things that have gone on. But ultimately, I realized that whatever I chose to say, well, it didn't really matter because you didn't come here to listen to me. You didn't. You could have stayed at home in your living room and heard this. I mean, if all you wanted was just to come and listen to Chris, you could have stayed home, and you could have still been in your pajamas, and you could uh, be all laid back and relaxed. You are here because God created you for community. You are here because you long to be with others, and you long for what that community brings. And your soul thirsts for the encouragement that can only be experienced in the midst of a community of God worshipers. I mean, we can worship God from home. And we can offer Him praise and, and we can bow down in prayer. But you can't encourage me from your house. Because I'm not with you. And even though you've been watching me online all these months and I've been trying to give you some type of encouragement and, and reach through that screen and grab you, it's not the same. We need to be together and so we're, we're longing for this moment because our souls are parched. Over the last five and a half months, I mean, we've just been left spiritually dehydrated and we are here today because we're looking for a refreshing and now look, understand, this gathering can in no way quench your thirst, okay? Even though, man, we have been praying for this, 
And we've been planning for this. And we've been wringing our hands over what to do when we come back and how everything is going to look and how everything is going to work. This gathering cannot quench your thirst. But what we hope to do is offer you just a few drops from an eternal well whose source is not of this world. You see, Jeremy was right. What our soul needs, what our soul ultimately longs for, is to be with God. I mean, that's what we want. He is the source of our desire. In our faith community, this gathering of believers, this gathering that you're part of right now, is a way for God to refresh our soul until we finally do get home. You see, I believe that we are instinctively and intuitively driven to our place of origin. We yearn for heaven. We yearn for God. We want to be with God, and our soul longs for its home. Twenty years ago, City leaders in Charlotte, North Carolina, they called up their favorite son. And they wanted Dr. Billy Graham to come to a dinner that was going to be given in his honor. At first, Dr. Graham refused because of his Parkinson's condition. But when, when he was told that, look, you don't have to give any grand speech. We just want you to come. We want to honor you. And you can say a few words if you wish. Well, he agreed. So he goes to the luncheon, and they do. They stand and say some wonderful words to him. And... Finally, it comes his time, and so he stands and he says, I just want to share just a few words regarding Albert Einstein, who, who had recently been named Time Magazine's Man of the Century. And so he tells him how that some years earlier, Dr. Einstein had boarded a train in, in Princeton, New Jersey, and as the train left, the conductor began walking the aisles, and he began punching tickets. And when he got to Dr. Einstein's row... The famous physicist begins to reach into his pockets and looks in his vest and he cannot find his ticket. And so he starts to get a little unnerved and the conductor says, Don't worry, Dr. Einstein, I know you. We, we, all, we all here know who you are. We're sure you bought a ticket. It's going to be okay. And the conductor continued on down the row. But he happened to look back and he saw Dr. Einstein on the ground, on his hands and knees, looking under the chair. So he rushes back and he says, Dr. Einstein... Look, we know who you are. We're sure that you bought a ticket, even if you didn't buy a ticket. It's all right. You're on our train. It's okay. We know who you are. And to that, Dr. Einstein stood up and said, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. <laughs> you know, there are, three, there are three questions, great questions in life. Where do I... Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where, where in the world am I going? Now, if I listen to the loudest voices in our culture, and if I take a cue from, if I take a cue from them, it's a naturalist view of life, believing that this physical world, the things that you see, the things that you experience, this is all that there is. And if that is the truth, then the answer to this first question goes something like this. You and I are, in essence, sophisticated animals that originated in the primordial soup. We're nothing but a complex germ that evolved over billions of years. And now if you accept that conclusion, then when you get to the second question of why am I here, it leads to some disturbing implications. Because if this indeed is your origin, then you possess no intrinsic value. You're just here. And you just have to survive. And in regards to the third question, well, where are you going? You're going nowhere. Nowhere at all. 
When life ends, it's over. It's done. And you become extinct. Yet as I understand it, anthropologists have yet to find, now get this, yet to find one single culture that does not believe in an afterlife of some type. Now it might be called nirvana or the great hunting ground in the sky, but there is something in the human heart that refuses to believe that the candle, when it is snuffed out, that it's over and gone. Why is that? Well, we're told in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity into the very DNA of the human heart. You see, there's a reason that everyone longs for something more. Scripture says that we were made by God. That's, that's where we came from. And our purpose is to do life with God. That's why we are here. And then we are going to meet God, and that's going to be, that's our destiny. That's where everything is going towards, because our soul finds its home with God. And it cannot rest until then. Because with God, there's perfect peace, and there's complete contentment, and there is a freeing fulfillment. Now, all these and more, you guys are able to experience right here and now, in this setting, with this community of believers. But it's just a taste. It's just a taste of what is to come. Because one day, all this is going to be over. There's not going to be any more viruses, there's no more quarantines, no more confusion, there's no more anger, there's no more mistrust, there's no more sickness or death. The dust will return to the earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And I love the way that the Apostle John gives us a preview of coming attractions. It's at the end of his Revelation letter and he says this. He says, I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look, God's dwelling is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more pain or mourning or crying or death. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So here's what I want you to think about today. As we're all saying, welcome home. I want you to think about the home for the soul. And I want you to think about heaven. Dwight L. Moody was once going to speak at a church service. He was accompanied by a friend who, as they were walking together, he said, Dr. Moody, what are you going to talk about tonight? He said, I'm going to talk about heaven. And at that, his friend's countenance fell. Dr. Moody noticed this. He looked at him and said, why did your face change when I told you I was going to talk about heaven? And he said, well, sir, I was hoping you would talk about something more practical. More practical. See, I believe that statement reveals an underlying assumption that many Christians possess. I mean, heaven is a nice doctrine someday. Out in that sweet by and by, it's going to matter. But for right now, we need something relevant. We need something that can get me from Sunday to Monday and from Monday to Tuesday. We need something for what's going on in our culture right here and right now. I found a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I want you to, to listen or read. He said, if you read history you find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. 
The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Lewis is describing the life results of heaven in the real world. You see, when you read through the New Testament, the writers didn't view heaven as pie in the sky when I die by and by. That, that wasn't the purpose. That, that's not why they talked about it. Because they looked at heaven as something being so real and so relevant that their current situations would be impacted by it. They couldn't help but be impacted by it. Heaven wasn't just some, some doctrine to be affirmed. It was a truth to be lived. And, and so understand, here's where I'm trying to take you this morning, just, just in these few minutes. I want to introduce to you the idea that talking about heaven is more than just tidying up some belief that you have about what happens when everything ends. Because how we will live with God then should affect how we live for God now. And, and that's why throughout the New Testament you see this sense of a, there's this sacred obligation of heavenly mindedness. Where not only is heaven perceived as real, but it's also relevant. And we find this reflected in Paul's writings. He writes to the church in Colossae and says, you know what? Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sets the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. You know, I think it's fair to say that because life is hard, we all end up with our fixations. We all end up with things that we fixate on in order to get us through the harsh realities of life. So here's my question I want you to think about when you're driving home today and you're talking with the kids or you and your spouse or maybe it's just you and your alone time. What is your fixation? What is your fix? What has helped you through layoffs and natural disasters, cancellations and quarantines? Where do you focus the hopes of relieving the pressures of your soul. Our culture tries to tell you that this, what you experience, what happened to you this weekend, what happened last week, all of this in this physical world, that this is all there is. There's nothing else. There's nobody waiting on you. So just do what you want to do now because it has no value. It has no impact. Just survive the best that you can. Get your fix. But God says, if you will make your fixation heaven, if you will make your fixation heaven, then it'll be, you'll be amazed at the other fixes that come along the way in your life. It helps you just like it helped Jesus. If you pay attention, you read through the Gospels, you find that Jesus was always conscious of heaven. He yearned for it. And it's precisely what energized and motivated his ministry. It's the why because, it's the why that, that shows why he, he helped the poor and the sick and the lonely. It's the why because uh, of the way that he dealt with the hungry and the homeless and the despairing. He knew what heaven was like. And he knew that this is not heaven. He 
he looked around and he saw the pain and he saw the viruses and he saw the sickness and he saw the tears and he saw all of the things that were tearing apart the creation of God and he says this isn't it and so he did something amazing that he asked you to be a part of he brought a little piece of heaven to earth And it's why he taught his disciples to pray for God's kingdom will to be lived out on earth just as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus allowed a future hope to be his present help. Like in Hebrews chapter 12 where the writer tells us how Jesus was willing to die an appalling and, and shameful death because of the joy that he knew that was going to be his afterwards. And here's what I'm hoping. I want you guys to come back next week, all right? I want you to come back next week to see who else didn't get voted off the island. I want you to come back next week because as we go through this series about heaven, I want you to look at this and not view it as an invitation to escape this world, but rather as a call by God to redeem this world. Our soul longs for God, and it finds its purpose in participating in the works of God. So one of the primary ways that heaven helps us right now is that heaven gives us a fix so that we can stay focused on our task of living out the kingdom will of God right here, right now on this earth. And we're going to expand on this idea next week and in the weeks to come. But let's wrap it up. Because you didn't come to listen to me. Hebrews 11. The message paraphrase. I love the picture that it paints. And why don't you just close your eyes for a minute. Let me read this. You, you close your eyes. It's all about those men and women of faith, the way that they kept on, even though life, man, it was hard. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance. You got your eyes closed. You're sitting there. I want you to think about it. I want you to look off in the distance they saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they, that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick of the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that. Heaven country. And you can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Can you see it in your mind's eye? As you open your eyes, can you see the difference that a heavenly fixation can have in your home? The difference a heavenly fixation can have in your workplace, the, the difference it can have just in your heart. You see, he's saying that these ancestors of faith, they had a heavenly fixation, a fixation that guided and motivated and centered them and carried them through life. Because their souls long for home and they realize this isn't home. This isn't home. And so we come full circle. After Billy Graham shared his story about Albert Einstein, he went on to say this. He says, see this suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. I used to be a bit more fastidious. So I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. 
You know what that occasion is? This is the suit in which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I know where I'm going. Can you say the same? The longing of your soul brought you here today. You are instinctively and intuitively driven to return to your place of origin. Your soul longs for its home. You want to be with God. You need to be with God. So fix Fix your thoughts on heaven. Don't think about these last five and a half months. Don't think about the next five and a half. You think about heaven. Because there is a home for your soul. Guys, we're so glad to be back together. So glad. But today's just a taste. It's just a sip. It's enough to whet the appetite of your soul and it's enough, hopefully, to keep you focused tomorrow on where you're going until you finally hear God say, Welcome home. Will you join me in prayer? Father, it's, it's good to be here. We've longed for this day. But I think we're starting to realize that that more than longing to be here, we long to be there. We long to be with you. And so we have come here just to get a taste, just to get a sip, just to get a little bit of encouragement for our souls so that we might be able to continue the journey. Father, I'm thankful for those who are watching us right now who still unable to get out, unsure as to, to what the future is going to hold. Father, I'm thankful for them and the faith that they continue to cling to. And my prayer is that heaven will continue to be their fixation. And that while they look forward to being able to come back and to be here on this campus, Father, I want them more I want them to look more forward to the day that they are able to be with you face to face. Because that's what we all want. We all want to be able to enjoy communion with you. We want to be able to lift up our voices in praise right there to you. We want to be able to know what relationship is like, not just through your spirit, but to understand it through you. Until then... Father, we'll take as many, as many sips as we can get from this fountain. And we ask that you, through your spirit, encourage our soul until the final day that we hear, welcome home. It's in the name of Jesus we offer this prayer. Amen.